You know, I'm ready to say it. Danny Jansen is the most clutch human being alive. Mount Clutchmore is now comprised of Tom Brady, Michael Jordan, Joe Montana, and Danny Jansen. No, I'm kidding, of course. But we are we are now at the point when Jansen comes up to the plate in a late game situation needing a big knock, it almost feels strange when he does not deliver. Today, of course, clearing the bases with a three-run RBI double all the way to the wall. Uh, Mr. Clutch just blowing it open in the eighth inning en route to a 7-5 win over the Diamondbacks on Sunday afternoon to complete the series sweep at the Rogers Center. Scott Carson, Scott Carson pardon me, from Sportsnet Stats and Sportsnet Television uh, saying it's just the seventh time in franchise history the Blue Jays sweep the first series out of the All-Star break. Just the seventh time ever. They did it in 82, 83, 2010, 2018, 2021, and 2022. But very impressive stuff for the Blue Jays to take on an Arizona Diamondbacks team that I think we all felt certainly played very, very well over the course of the entire season leading into the All-Star break. But unfortunately, uh, well, unfortunately for them, fortunately for the Blue Jays, they do uh, get the sweep over Arizona. Jays now also undefeated in the uh, TD Bank patch era. So I think we need to get uh, those for us here in the broadcast booth. We'll have to see about that. Uh, welcome to Jays Talk, of course, across the Sportsnet Radio Network, streaming live on sportsnet.ca and on the Sportsnet app. Show Ali with you, taking your calls and texts. Phone lines are open, 416-870-0590, star 590 on your cellular device. Uh, like Ben Wagner said, if you're waiting in line, as your kids run the bases here at a Junior Jays Sunday at the Dome, if you're in traffic, if you're elsewhere, wherever you like, you can give me a call or you can text me as well, 590-590, name and location. That is the People's Text Line and it is, as I always like to say, it is always open. Uh, some housekeeping very quickly. We did that trivia question yesterday, Matt Chapman hitting two home runs on July 15, 2017, both of them coming off of the later 2017 American League Cy Young winner. Who was that pitcher? The correct answer, Corey Kluber. So Adivan from Vancouver got that correctly. I believe he did pick the Chappie Couture shirt. So congratulations, Adivan. Uh, I will have the... Chappy Couture shirt mailed out to you later this week. And for everyone else, we will do a lot more giveaways next weekend. Uh, Jays are in Seattle next week, so let's hope for a win. And we'll give, do more giveaways uh, next weekend. Why don't we start with Yusei Kikuchi? Because he was not sharp, as we know, early on, right? Four and two-thirds, two hits, two runs. One of them was earned because the error at the very beginning of the game, four strikeouts, three walks, which is not great, uh, 89 pitches, 47 strikes for Kikuchi. Like I said, not sharp early on, two walks, two hit batters in the first two innings of work, some sloppy play as well, also not helping him out, uh, directly contributing to the first two Arizona runs. He did get some defense to help him out and did settle in for the rest of his outing, even if he didn't quite get to five innings today. He battled enough that in the end, he only gave up one earned run because of that error. And I, I'd honestly say the pickoff attempt at second that sailed in the center field, maybe kind of on him because the ball did come out of his hand, but really, he threw that ball right over the bag. And Espinola just hadn't gotten there yet. Maybe he needs to take, I don't know, one more beat before he lets that ball go just to make sure the second baseman or the shortstop, whoever is there, is standing on the actual bag. But uh, may, perhaps just a simple miscommunication that led to that error. But for me, less on Kikuchi and more on the fielder. But like I said, even so, he, even if he wasn't sharp, 
and a little erratic. He did do enough that he could turn it over to the bullpen. And with the day off, you don't really have any compunctions about letting the bullpen go a little bit more or at least going to more bullpen guys. And I'd also say this is exactly why you want the Kikuchi and Manoa starts separated a little bit. And that is how it was set up. And I think today it kind of worked out because there's a day off tomorrow because you would think that Manoa is, in theory, scheduled to pitch on Tuesday against the Padres. Uh, So it worked out because of the day off. But if there wasn't a day off, you know, if Kikuchi's only able to go four and two-thirds, do they leave him out there a little bit longer just because they have no choice with another game the very next day had there not been a day off? I do kind of wonder about that. So good that there was a day off that they could go to the bullpen but it does uh, perhaps underscore the idea that those two starts at least until Manoa has shown he is back to the Manoa of 2022 and before because if he is then it doesn't really matter right but if uh, if he's not then um, that's a good reason why they should not be uh, buttressed up next to each other um if we talk about the bullpen a little bit here Jay Jackson comes in for one out in the fifth I think he only threw one pitch in the fifth and then two in the sixth before he was relieved I do still think he is the maybe the ninth guy in the bullpen, essentially, but I dare say if he continues to pitch like this, he might be creeping a little further. You guys know I like my circle of trust. Still perhaps the outer circle of trust, I would think, but he has been very effective in the appearances he has been entrusted with, like Mitch White, for example. Huh? I see a lot of texts <laughs> about Mitch White. I mean, I, let me just read you a couple, a, a, a tasting of the, of the text messages about Mitch White. Uh, Onyeka from Ottawa. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing your name right. A serious question. Why is Mitch White on the team? Bowden Francis and Jay Jackson, much better than him. Tony from Kitchener. I think it's time to let Mitch White go. It was a terrible trade from the day it was made. The bullpen was flawless only for White to come in and taint it. I can't give up. I can't blame Swanson for giving up that hit. He warmed up, then he went down only to be warmed up again to save the game. It wasn't a safe situation in the first place. John in Kippen. Please answer, why is Mitch White still a major leaguer? I mean, there's a lot of stuff like that, right? Jason from Markham, sadly, Mitch White only lowering his value, like pulling your car into the dealer to trade it in, and it breaks down. Chris in Vancouver, show this has got to be the final straw for Mitch White. Serves no purpose. Do you agree? Uh, yes. To answer, all, to answer all of those, yes. Unfortunately, I do, right? Because you look at every like pretty much literally every other member of the bullpen and eh, they all have their purposes their uses you kind of know in which situations they can be deployed and even if you're not going to a specific guy in a specific situation either you feel pretty good about going to pretty much any of romano swanson pearson richards or mesa and we'll talk about all the guys who pitched today but i gotta think mitch white's days are numbered especially ryu on the fast track to returning chad green on the fast track to returning, Zach Pop on the fast track to returning. So, like, some something's got to give here, and uh, I don't think today's outing uh, did him any favors, unfortunately. Uh, but Jay Jackson been playing very, very well. I know he's got the option. He can be sent up and down, so I'm sure we'll see some manipulation with him perhaps going down when one of those guys of a Ryu, Green, or Pop are ready to go. But he has, for journeyman, he has played very, very well, found money perhaps, with Jay Jackson. Uh, Tim Meza, a guy who does it all, right? He comes in to retire. A batter on three pitches, and on that batter, he fields the ball on a bunt attempt, grabs it with his glove hand, and then kind of just opens the glove to let the ball fly to Vladdy at first for the inning ending out. He's terrific. I mean, what more is there to be said 
about Tim Meza. He might be a specialty reliever in that he sees the lefties in the opposing lineup almost exclusively as the only lefty reliever on the team, at least right now. But, I mean, you guys know, he's right in the heart of the circle of trust. He might legitimately have deserved an all-star spot. I don't even really think that's, like, Blue Jays-centric homer hyperbole. Maybe he is a little bit, actually. But still, he was... He's been good all year, and he has continued to look good all year. I mentioned Scott Carson before, who is a, a wizard with the statistician things. Um, zero earned runs. This is from Scott. Zero earned runs in Meza's last 16 appearances. His last earned run allowed was on May 31st. It is July 16th, people. That is terrific. He, wild stuff. He's been absolutely great. Uh, Trevor Richards, eh, a little bit less efficient today, right? 29 pitches for him. Two walks as well, but he did manage to get through his outing unscathed. But the amount of pitches he threw along with his perhaps un uncharacteristic, at least for this year, a lack of command eh, probably did spell out just one inning of work for him. Jimmy Garcia, though, 13 pitches. He allowed one hit. Uh, he gets the double play behind him. He has looked much better as of late as well. Uh, yesterday, yes, a little shaky. This is true. But his command today was great. Only three balls from Garcia in his outing. I would say, like, Garcia is probably, at the very least, back in the outer circle of trust. And he's a guy who's also pitching. Barker's brought this up before, but he is a, a free agent. I think there's an option for next year. But other than that, he's a, he's a free agent. And I don't know. I mean, you'd think based on the early returns, he had not he kind of pitched himself out of a lucrative deal. But if he continues to get back into form here and you get maybe even – 60 to 75 percent of last year's Jimmy Garcia and you're adding that to the group of Romano Swanson Pearson Richards Meza you're in a pretty good spot all things considered with the bullpen and, and yeah Mitch White I don't know I think you'd rather have Bowden Francis as your quote-unquote long guy because I, I definitely and I think you guys agree I definitely like what we've seen uh, more from Mitch White pardon me from Bowden Francis certainly not from Mitch White uh based on the, the early results from Francis and the Trevor Francis starts, for example. I definitely have more confidence in, in the young Bowden Francis. All right, let's go to the phones. 416-870-0590-1-888-666-0590, star 590 on your cellular device. Let's go to the phones, 590-590, name and location. That's the people's text line. Don't want to forget that. You can text me anytime. Uh, Eddie joining me in Fort Erie. Eddie, what's on your mind? Welcome to JSTOCK. Thank you, Show. Um, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you, Eddie? I'm doing good. Enjoy that uh, game as well as the entire series. And uh, great, great that they're on the Blue Jays are on a roll. Now, as I was watching all three games of this series coming out of the All-Star break, I got – you ever notice sometimes in Major League Baseball, it's like one big filing cabinet drawer as far as which team had a defining month, a defining game, or the, or the finding series, I wonder, like in the case of the Jays and the Diamondbacks, I wonder if this uh, series for the Diamondbacks might be their kind of a defining um, series that they lost because I've seen before where teams do so well going into the All-Star break, and then when they come out of the All-Star break, like I'm, they just get flat as a pancake and they don't get – or actually, like, they're not the same. I mean – especially now that you're in a division battle with the Dodgers and, and now you've lost pro potentially three games. And I'm like, wow, this could be, you know, um, one of those things that happens to him. Yes, they're in a playoff spot, but it's not something to uh, think about down the road. You know what I mean? Now, as far as the Blue Jays go, 
I'm starting to believe now more than ever that that Danny Jansen home run last week might be their defining moment of the season because ever since then they haven't lost and Jansen was in the middle of that uh, uh, bases clearing double and um, yeah it's, it's it's just one of those things that I've been thinking about throughout this not, not only this game but for the entire series as well you know. Hey Eddie yeah appreciate the call man thank you for joining me on Jay's talk I I do kind of see what you're saying in the sense that the Diamondbacks and Blue Jays seem to be heading in diverging directions, right? Because the Diamondbacks had come into the series and losers of, I think it was, I want to say it was maybe like 7 of 11 or something like that. And they're, they're a talented team. They have, they have guys who have been hitting the cover off the baseball basically all season, starting with Corbin Carroll. But even getting back to the Carroll shoulder injury, and this is a guy who's had shoulder surgery before, he has not looked quite as, perhaps quite the same, even though he hasn't missed any time. And now a series sweep. They were at, they were leading the NL West coming into this series, and now they're they're below the Dodgers, who have taken advantage and won some games themselves over the New York Mets. So I definitely see what you mean with the Diamondbacks, and I think there is something to be said for momentum, right? Because if you if you if you take out the no hitter, and obviously you can't just take out all the bad results and keep only the good results because that's not how sports work, right? You have to take the the good with the bad. But even even with the no hitter. The Blue Jays still were on quite the roll, and I and I again I understand that there are, there's a certain caliber of competition with certain teams, but I mean you can at the same time only play the teams in front of you, and it's not as though the White Sox and Tigers don't have major league caliber ball players on their rosters, and certainly the Diamondbacks do, but uh, I mean this, the Blue Jays certainly look they are look like they're on the verge of continuing a roll, and I mean I don't want to put the cart before the horse necessarily, but Padres coming to town. I mean, you heard Ben and Ben talking about it on the broadcast. I mean, the Padres also very much scuffling, very much so. They are absolutely a dangerous lineup, 1,000%. Any lineup that has Fernando Tatis Jr., I know he has the ankle injury, so who knows what his status might be, uh, whether it's for today's game, which I know is delayed thanks to rain, or for their games going forward. But, you know, you look at a lineup that has Tatis, a lineup that has Bogarts, Juan Soto, Cronenworth, Grisham, Haseon Kim. Like, these are all extremely talented hitters and and fielders as well. So, I don't know. I, I Padres are always going to be a tough out, but, I mean, they're scuffling too. Blue Jays are peaking at the right time. You want to – I know all wins are worth one number <laughs> in the W column, but, I mean, you certainly want to peak in the second half of the season as opposed to the uh, the first half. Uh, let's continue taking your phone calls. 416-870-0590. 590 Star 590 on your cellular device. Shane from Mississauga. Shane, what's up? Hey, boys. How you doing? Good. How are you? Not bad, thank you. Uh, just got a little two-part question. They kind of go in together anyway. I'm curious who you guys think, especially with the trade deadline coming up and the three players that you mentioned earlier coming to the team very soon who are expendable players that we can afford to let go of and then the second part of that question is with Ryu coming back what do we do with Kikuchi I don't think we should trade him I don't think we need to get rid of him does he now become our power lefty in the pen and if he goes into the pen who in the pen is going to lose their job Simber perhaps I'll hang up and I'll let you guys talk hey Shane thank you for the call I uh, I do think when it comes to Kikuchi and Ryu for now, at the very least, Kikuchi has, in my opinion, have to stay 
in the rotation, at the very least until you see what's what's up with Hyunjin Ryu. And, and don't get me wrong, we'll talk about Hyunjin Ryu in a little bit. He looked pretty darn good <laughs> down in Buffalo. Five innings, 66 uh, pitches. He uh, gave up a solo home run, I believe. Did not walk anyone. Had a number of strikeouts. So the, he, he was, I think, s scheduled for 65 pitches, and they got to 66, so pretty much right where the Blue Jays want him to be. Still needs to get to 85 pitches in order to... Before I pardon me, before he comes back up to the majors, but I there's still no guarantee that Hyunjin Ryu is going to just come back up and just dominate. Even if he is looking a little more a svelte these days, I'm not sure if you want to necessarily pin or hinge anything on Hyunjin Ryu. Now, if if Ryu does come back and look great, I'm not sure what the the limit is for sample size before you say okay, you can start making changes to the starting rotation. I do wonder. If there is another starting pitcher out there that could be available via a trade market that has played for Toronto before that might be available according to some certain rumors. So we'll come back on that in a sec. But as for guys who can be sent down when any of Ryu, Pop, or Chad Green come back from injury, I mean, it's, it's got to be, you got to think, and you got to also contend with the pitcher position player limit, right? So with that in mind, you would think they would prefer to simply juggle the pitchers instead of experimenting with set, sending like Nathan Lucas down and bringing up a pitcher or something like that. But Jay Jackson, as much as I just heaped praise on him, because he does have that option, I can't help but think he might be the, the leading candidate to be sent down just as a roster manipulation thing until they clear up some other aspects of it. I, I do kind of wonder if Simber's time on this team is also limited because he has not looked great this season. Having said that, Trevor Richards did not look great last season. Look at his place in this bullpen as well, right? But Simber, Zach, pardon me, Simber, uh, Jay Jackson, and Mitch White seem like the most likely candidates to not be on the team. Probably you start with Mitch White, and then you go from there, because I agree with all the many texters that uh, Mitch White has uh, <laughs> probably uh, got to go. Uh, let's go back to the text line, 590-590, name and location. I actually see a number of texts. Yeah, here it is, on uh, Alejandro Kirk. And actually, there's a couple of texts here. So this one is, actually, there's no name on this one, but it just says, if I may, Kirk started slow and appears no recovery, appears en route, the swing and power are just not there. Uh, send Kirk down. This is from someone else. Send Kirk down and bring up Heineman as a backup to Jansen. And yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of texts about uh, about Alejandro Kirk, and I I think they're at least warranted, right? Because I I am personally by no means suggesting anything drastic with Kirk. Certainly not sending him down, but he is just putting all of these balls right on the ground, and because of his lack of speed, he is an automatic out on the bases. He's probably never at any point in his career going to be a terror on the base paths, but at the very least, the, the like the texter mentioned, the power from his entire swing is just gone. It has completely evaporated. I've seen suggestions of DHing him almost permanently while he figures it out, which is not a bad idea because as we talked about, Danny Jansen has been hitting the cover off the baseball lately and he's looked absolutely phenomenal. So I, I don't think it's a terrible idea. The only problem with that which we all I think will weigh a little bit differently is because he is so valuable to the pitching staff he is pretty good at pitch framing and a game calling as well he certainly seems to help out a lot of guys especially Chris Bassett for example maybe even Alec Manoa I don't know if you want to make Jansen like I don't know if you want to pigeonhole 
Jansen into catching a minimum of five days a week. He certainly could. Ben and Ben were talking about this. He certainly could be your catcher for four to five days out of in a seven-day week. But also, for me at least, because of the injuries he's dealt with, the team needs to sort of manage that, at the very least, somewhat. I don't know. Everyone's going to weigh the how much value does he bring behind the plate to the point where you can put up with meager offensive numbers, or is it worth experimenting with having Jansen back there a little bit more and having Kirk DH or sit more until he figures it out? The problem is, of course, I'm not sure very many players figure it out by sitting and playing less. So you still want him to be in the lineup. It is, unfortunately, just tough to have an OPS of around 600 thereabouts in the DH spot when Jansen is catching. So, boy, if he can't turn it around, I'm, again, I'm not advocating for a trade of Kirk because I do think he is still very young and there's still a lot of runway for him to figure it out. But for a team that is contending, it does, to a certain degree, help push the need for another bat or underscore the need for another bat to the very top of the shopping list, especially if the uh, bullpen plays well or continues to play well. Uh, let's see. I want to go back to the text line here. 590-590, name and location. <laughs> this one says, this is from Tony Kitchener. Uh, Tony says, hey, show, white isn't even near a square, in my opinion, much less a circle of trust. Uh, let's see. I see uh, where else we want to get to here. Uh, hey, show, Chris from Kitchener, currently on the 401. Awesome day at the ballpark. Great game. Glad to see the Jays pull it out. Why isn't Jansen starting every day? Oh, he's on Kirk. Can they not send him down to AAA to figure out? Uh, figure it back out. Have a good evening, Chris. Chris, appreciate the text. And like I, like I said, for me at least, the only reason Danny Jansen is not your literally everyday catcher is that I, would, I feel like very few major league teams have a catcher that plays literally every single day. And then also the injury stuff. I just I, I, I would be very careful because Danny Jansen has gotten hot before and then gotten injured. And, and some of those injuries are also freak accidents that have nothing to do with him, right? Like the, he's taking a ball off the fingers when he's holding the bat at the plate. He has nothing to do with that. He tried to twist out of the way. It still hit him in the fingers because these balls are flying in, at, flying in towards your face and your hands at you know almost triple-digit velocities. Like Most people will be hard-pressed to move out of the way. So freak accident in that sense. Oblique injuries, also kind of hard to control when you're swinging the bat as hard as these guys are. So I do understand, but... The, the the want for Jansen to play a little bit more, but I don't know. I just I feel like that's playing a little bit with fire. Kirk still has some time to figure it out, but I do agree that the leash uh, is short when it comes to uh, when it comes to Danny Jansen. Let's go back to the phones. Four one six eight seven zero zero five ninety one triple eight triple six zero five ninety star five ninety on your cellular device. Five ninety five ninety is the people's text line. We'll go back to the text line in a sec. But on the phones, Hugo joining me in Toronto. Hugo, welcome to Jay's Talk. What's on your mind? Hey, thanks, Joe. Thanks for having me. Yeah, what's uh, up, man? Listen, thanks I, for calling in. You know, what seems to be uh, an underwhelming pickup at the trade deadline uh, with Whit Merrifield. I think he's really come to life here, and he's kind of got my vote for renewal of contract. I don't know how much it's going to cost the Jays, the front office. They have some pretty good luck with the signage of second base with Semyon, now this guy. I don't know. What do you think? How much do you think it would take to get him back to be a Blue Jay for next year for maybe two years plus an option? 
Hey, thanks for the call, Hugo. I appreciate you joining me on JSTOC. That is a tough one because of the mutual option we talked about yesterday, right? $18 million is the mutual option. I believe if the Blue Jays decline that option, they still have to pay him $500,000. That's not a bad it's uh, not a bad gig. <laughs> when, when, imagine getting fired and they still – I mean, and I know he wouldn't be fired in this case, but imagine being, like, let go and you still have to get – you're still getting paid half a million dollars. That would be pretty good for pretty much all of us here. But, but uh, I will say for Whit Merrifield – I would like to see him get re-signed, knowing that he will be 35 years old by the time the 2024 season starts. His birthday is in January, just a couple days after my birthday, actually. Uh, and knowing that it'll likely be the last major payday of his career, I kind of wonder if maybe a two-year, I don't know, 25 to $30 million deal might not be on the table because all these these deals are guaranteed, right? So if you go two years fully guaranteed for $15 million a year, or you really front load the deal, because that's what happened with Kikuchi, right? He got a little bit more money in years one and two. Year three of the deal, which will be next year for him, has a little bit less cash on it, which might make him a little easier to trade, or if you just want to cut ties with him, make it easier to do that too. I kind of wonder if a front-loaded deal where you're still paying him $30 million over the course of the entire deal might be good to take him to his age 37 season, perhaps. That sounds like a good starting point at the very least. Now, I'm not sure a lot of major league players who do the kinds of things Merrifield does on the field and on the base pads remain that good and physically active all the way through to age 37. Some do, obviously. Some very much do. But I'm not sure everyone does. Having said that, it, and I said this yesterday, but I'm not. I, I kind of wonder if it still would be worth it to simply pay Merrifield the money, knowing that you might still have a platoon situation at second base going forward. Uh, if if some of the younger guys come up, and Blair and Barker talk about this all the time, at some point the young guys in the in the farm system. And I don't think the farm system is quite as bad as as it's been purported to be necessarily, but. Someone in the farm system or a couple guys in the farm system, certainly from the pitching standpoint, but also from the, the position player standpoint, someone has to come up and contribute in a meaningful way at some point. You, in theory, yes, you could continue to trade guys and trade four guys and, and sign guys via free agency. But at some point, the guys you drafted have to matter in a certain way, shape or form. Right. So I, I would support signing Merrifield to answer Hugo's question. I would support signing Merrifield to a slightly longer term deal, but I'm not sure anything more than a two year deal is would, would necessarily um, make that much sense given where the Blue Jays are. Of course, they are a contending team, so they might feel it's worth it, all things considered. But um, when it comes to the dollar figure, maybe $30 million over two years, you add a little bit more in year one, so it's a little bit easier to trade them if you need to in year two. That might be, uh, might be the way to go. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we will certainly check out the Major League standings watch across – uh, MLB today and uh, take a look at the wild card standings. I know some people are like, Joe, why do you look at the wild card race? It's only middle of July. We can do that after the dog days of August. Also valid, but just because of the, the tight division, I think it's kind of fun to see where, where the Blue Jays stand vis-a-vis uh, -vis all the other teams. So we'll take a look at the Major League standings watch, the American League standings, the wild card standings as well. I do want to chat about those Marcus Stroman texts because there are some Marcus Stroman rumors that actually tie him to the Blue Jays. So let's talk about Marcus Stroman. Get your thoughts on Stroman's potential return to the Blue Jays if the rumors uh, can be believed. So we'll get to all of that straight ahead. You're listening to Jays Talk. Still some time to send me a text or to give me a call. 416-870-0590. One triple eight triple six zero five ninety star five ninety on your cellular device. 
590-590 is the people's text line. We'll get to the phone lines, get to the text lines, the standings watch, and everything else on the other side of the break. You're listening to Jay's Talk. I'm Show Ali on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Little drama at the end, never hurt anybody. This is a bullpen. I know that uh, has the lowest ERA in baseball since June 20th. Is this bullpen getting enough love right now? Our bullpen? Yours. They never get enough love. They're nasty. Look at Jordan Romano, Nate Pearson right there. Look at those big boys. Look at them. No, they're great. You know, the pitchers are the backbone of this team. I tell them that uh, all the time. When they go, we go. And, uh, you know, we need them for the long run. So we're going to try to score as much runs as we can. And then, uh, you know, they're going to try to get as many guys out as possible. That is Kevin Kiermeyer. He loves saying all the right things. That guy, that guy endeared himself to Blue Jays fans like in, in hours with <laughs> becoming a Blue Jay and has done nothing but that since then. That's uh, Kevin Kiermeyer chatting with Arden Swelling on the field after a 7-5 win for the Blue Jays over the Diamondbacks to secure the series sweep. It's the seventh time in franchise history the Blue Jays have swept the opposing team following the All-Star break. They are 53 and 41 with the win. Welcome back to Jay's Talk. I am Show Ali here for a couple more minutes. Before we go back to the text line, let's go back to the Major League Standings Watch presented by Bet365. With Bet365, you can bet on things like player props, totals, or game outcomes across many different sports, 19 plus, play responsibly, Ontario only. All right, so a lot of the American League East games are done already, actually. The only American League East team playing right now are the Yankees. That's going into the bottom of the eighth inning right now. Yankees up 3-1 to one, uh, over the Colorado Rockies. I mean, look, as, as much as the Yankees have struggled this year, they, sh- you know, you, you say teams you sh- quote-unquote should beat, they in theory should most of the time <laughs> beat the Colorado Rockies. And they are winning right now 3-1 to one, as that game heads to the late innings. Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays lost today to the Kansas City Royals. Royals doubling up the Rays 8-4. to four. The Boston Red Sox crushing the Chicago Cubs. Cubs crushed them yesterday. Red Sox repaid the favor. Red Sox win 11-5 to five over the Cubs at uh, Wrigley and at Camden Yards. Baltimore Orioles hold on for a 5-4 win over the Miami Marlins. Anthony Santander going deep in that one. Also in the Red Sox game, Masataka Yoshida had a massive day. I think he finished a double short of the cycle, and his home run was a grand slam. So Masataka Yoshida, the almost Blue Jay, having a uh, terrific uh, game for the Red Sox in Chicago. So with all those results, here's how the ALE stands right now. Uh, Tampa Bay with the loss, they are 60-36. and 36. Baltimore with the win, they are 57-35. and 35. Toronto with the win, like I said, 53-41. and 41. The Yankees going into their game are 50-43 and 43 of the results hold. That'll be uh, 51 wins. And Boston with their win are 50-44. and 44. So every team in the American League East has at least 50 wins. And I don't think any other team is particularly close. Pardon me, any of the division is particularly close. The Rockies at the bottom of the NLS have 35 wins. The Cards have 39. Nationals, 37. Oakland, 25. And the Royals, 27. So by far the most uh, competitive division in all of Major League Baseball. And we always take a very brief look at the wild card race. Uh, still, the Blue Jays in that second wild card spot right now, sandwiched between... Uh, the Orioles in the number one spot, and the Astros just below them, who are 51 and 42. They'll take on the Angels a little bit later on. They are uh, in the third wild card spot, just ahead of the Yankees, the Red Sox, and the Angels, who actually came back 
to beat the Astros yesterday, which was a pretty thrilling game. If you haven't seen the highlights of that one, I believe the Angels getting the walk-off win at home on an error, on a throwing error, the running, the run scoring <laughs> to get them the walk-off win. That's a quick check of the Major League Standings Watch presented by Bet365. All right, let's go back to the text line real quick. I see one here from Mike in Port Hope. What a great series sweep. The Jays have not yet released the rotation for the San Diego series. Who do you think they might go with? Great show, guys, and shout-out to your producers. Yeah, shout-out to uh, Connor and Nick back at Baseball Control. Um, I do think right now it would seem that Alec Manoa is lined up to go on Tuesday after a day off. We kind of talked about the idea of them still, in theory, quote-unquote, being split up uh, thanks to the off day, which I still think is something that needs to be sorted out. But when Gosman returns, that will probably be sorted out naturally. And and the reason why I, I think it will end up being, unless this has changed while I've been on the air, but... I feel as though it makes the most sense to go Manoa and then Barrios and Bassett against the Padres because they've pitched well, all things considered, for most of the year. And you go Manoa, Barrios, Bassett, you skip Gosman's, you know, quote-unquote skip his, his return until they go on the road trip in Seattle because then you still have Barrios and Bassett pitching on their regular days of rest. Kikuchi still pitches on Friday to open the series against the Mariners, against his former team. And then you get Gosman pitching on Saturday on two full weeks of rest. And Ben Wagner mentioned this during the broadcast, but before the game today, on Sundays, they don't you, you do as much uh, batting practice. They don't do any batting practice as they usually do. But uh, earlier today, you did see a lot of Kevin Gosman uh, throwing and, and stretching and doing all the things with the rest of the pitchers out in left field. So that was pretty cool to see. So probably means he is not going on the IL, uh, I would imagine. I wanted to get to this as well. Uh, what are the chances of Stroman coming back? There's no name on the text line, so please give me a, your name just so I can give you a, a uh, shout-out on the air. But what's up with Stroman? Now, someone had tweeted that at me earlier. Bruce Levine, who is a baseball analyst and covers both the Cubs and White Sox for 670, the score in Chi-Town. Just checking the text line there. Uh, he is reporting that according to – and I'm, this is a quote from an article he wrote – According to MLB sources, the Blue Jays are one of the teams that have expressed strong interest in what may be a Marcus Stroman sweepstakes by the last week of July. And Stroman, also mentioned in the article, has a $21 million player option for 2024. He is expected to decline that option and is allegedly seeking a five-year deal in free agency this offseason. Now, Stroman, of course, in his 30s, so a five-year deal would very likely be around $100 million, I'm guessing, and would be his last significant payday. So it makes sense that he would decline the player option, certainly if he does, if he wants to see another massive deal on the back of what has been a phenomenal season for Marcus Stroman. I, I find the Stroman reunion rumors with the Blue Jays really interesting because I personally would actually love to see Stroman return. I know some people were fed up with some of the antics, and he is, without a doubt, a strong personality. I, I don't feel like the idea of him continuing to be a loud voice in the locker room is so much an issue anymore when it once was. Like Maybe it was something you wanted to avoid in the formative MLB years for Bo and for Vlad. Less so now, I would think, now that they're a little bit older, they've experienced a lot more. They are perhaps the leaders of this team. We talk about leadership. They're young guys, but it certainly feels as though they are the unquestioned leaders of this ball club, certainly Bo Bichette learning a lot from, let's say, Marcus Simeon in his one year in Toronto. I think with Stroman, he clearly loves Toronto, 
The guy likes every tweet about the city of Toronto that exists. He likes tweets and posts about the Blue Jays. I do genuinely believe he enjoyed his time here. I, I think a lot of people would welcome him back, especially if he continues to pitch like this. He's 10-6 and six th- uh, this season, a 2.88 ERA over 20 starts. And, you know, I love to talk about peripherals. You guys know I love that word. So it's a, it's a good buzzword sometimes, maybe not so much <laughs> other times. The peripherals would suggest he is not exactly a, a – amazingly different pitcher this year than he has been compared to like last year or the last few seasons. So I think it would suggest that his 288 ERA is in a way him overperforming. But even so, he's been a pretty effective pitcher since he was traded away back in 2019. So let's just say for the sake of this conversation, he is a 350 ERA pitcher or a 360 or 75 ERA pitcher instead of a 288 ERA pitcher. That's still pretty good. And is still an ERA, probably 3.5, closer to than, than something closer to 4. But that's still an ERA deserving of a longer-term deal. So I understand why he would decline an option and also why he would decline playing for the Cubs because it doesn't seem as though the Cubs are going to suddenly turn it around and win the division or be competitive even next year because they're still rebuilding. It certainly feels like all of, let's see, Stroman, Cody Bellinger, and Drew Smiley are probably all on the way out. And if all those guys are on the way out, then you're probably not going to be a very good ball club this year. The question is, do you trade assets for Stroman knowing that he will test free agency regardless and that you could lose him, not even for nothing, but for the the, the assets that you do trade? If it does cost real assets in a seller's market, will the Cubs hold out for a big offer? Can they hold out for a big offer if Stroman is also saying he's not expecting a contract extension from the Cubs? I think it would be fine to go out there and acquire Stroman if it doesn't cost too much. And this goes back to the question about Kikuchi and Ryu and what do you do with them? Does one of them go to the pen? I think it was Shane in Mississauga who had called and talked about that. I do kind of think it would solve that question of adding to the bullpen because in theory, you could go out there, you get Stroman as a starter, and maybe, and then that was when you move one of Kikuchi or Ryu to the bullpen. But honestly, perhaps Kikuchi for me, and again, it would depend on how well Ryu looks, but if you're replacing Kikuchi with Stroman and you still go with a six-man rotation, that doesn't it's not a terrible idea. But if you're adding Kikuchi to the pen, you're now basically adding a super hard-throwing lefty. I, and I know Kikuchi and Ryu are both lefties, but Ryu is not a super hard thrower and never has been as we know. But if you're moving Kikuchi to the pen, and we've all been asking for more heat in the pen, eh, perhaps a way to kill two or three birds with one stone. I Again, don't get me wrong. It's still pretty unlikely because I'm not sure what kind of asset it would cost to get Stroman. And I don't think anyone wants to see them trade their top prospects for Stroman for what could be literally a couple of months worth of a rental if he decides to go get paid a bazillion dollars by someone else uh, in the offseason. So if that's the case, then no, you pass, obviously. But if it does cost you... Uh, one of the lesser, and I don't need to, to you know, dump on any of the quote-unquote lesser prospects, but if you're looking at the second tier of prospects and that's what it costs you, then I don't know. Then I, I wouldn't mind seeing Stroman make his uh, return to Toronto. I have been ad- admittedly always a somewhat big fan of his. Um, I see. Let's go back to the uh, text line here, 590-590, name and location. In the last couple of minutes we got, I see here... Uh, Jimmy says Blue Jays should trade for Salvador Perez. Uh, he did suffer a hamstring injury today. At the same time, he wouldn't be a bad a player here. Salvador Perez is also one of those guys where if you were like, show how old is Salvador Perez? I'd be like, ah, he's probably like 38, 39. He, I, he's actually closer to 30 than he is to 40. It's kind of strange to think about that. I think probably because Perez 
made his MLB debut when he was so incredibly young, but he's played in baseball forever. Kind of funny to think that, but uh, I wouldn't mind seeing Salvador Perez. Probably would take a little bit more for the Royals to be, be persuaded to give up a franchise icon, I would say, given that he is one of the guys that won a World Series with them. Um, I see a lot of uh, texts like this. This is from Chris and T.O. I love these wins and the way they won. I love the theory that the Jays need to land in the third wild card because if I understand correctly, they will face the central division winner, which is much more appealing. Yes, it's true. I do I do think that uh, ultimately you do want to be in line to take on whoever wins the American League Central as opposed to having to play you know the other wild the other wild card team which probably is going to end up being Baltimore. I do ultimately think Baltimore is I'm, I think they're they're very good but uh ultimately they're probably going to come back down to earth like most teams do even if they have built up enough of a lead. Uh, there's no te- name on this text. It just says Marcus Stroman is toxic, he will destroy team chemistry. Again, I I disagree because if you'd asked me this question in 2020, 2019, I knew he was traded in 2019, but in 2019 when the, the younger guys were around I would have agreed that he maybe would have been a negative influence on the team. There are enough veterans on this team that I don't. I no longer believe that's the case. There are enough vets on this team, whether it's Matt Chapman or with Merrifield, some of the other vets in the pitching staff as well, whether it's Yanjin Ryu or anyone else, that it probably won't be a, a huge issue. But I, um, I, I do like the idea of Stroman uh, reuniting with the Blue Jays, but again, probably pretty unlikely. All right, thank you for listening to Blue Jays Baseball, brought to you by Crown Rust Protection. Now that summer has arrived, it's road trip season. Make sure your vehicle is protected from rust with Crown. Visit crown.com for a special summer offer today. Crown, Canada's number one rust protection. Thanks for being alongside me on JSOC. For Ben Wagner, Ben Nicholson-Smith, Tom Young, Connor Lamont, Nick Blackmore, I'm Show Ali. Appreciate you being alongside me all weekend long. A series sweep for the Jays down here at the Dome. I'm going to see Mission Impossible tomorrow on my day off, so no spoilers, please. Blair and Barker return on Tuesday against the Padres for Jays Talk. I'm back on Thursday for the day game right here at the Rogers Center. I'll talk to you then.